0: And now, your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friend, I'm going to work my way into what might be a two-day show. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. What I'm going to try to do is clarify for the listeners here for all of you what is the difference between owning single family real estate and operating it yourself, single family real estate and letting a management company operate it. Owning a small apartment complex and operating it by yourself and or letting a management company operate that and or owning a large apartment complex and owning it yourself and having a management company, and or not having a management company, and then being a passive in a syndication, and what being a syndicator means, and what's different about that, and what the difference is between being a passive, a syndicator, an independent real estate owner on a multi-family, or a single family. Too much there to pack into one day, I'm sure. All of it's relevant, I think. Now, what's bringing this about? Um, I'm back buying apartment complexes. In fact, I just bought another commercial building, another grocery store. But I'm still drawn back to a business that I operate. And the reason I'm drawn back to a business I operate is what I'm going to try to talk about today. And tomorrow we'll try to go over there to being a passive and a syndicator and the benefits of that. But owning your own business is very valuable. It also can be the worst thing you've ever done in your entire life. So we need to sort of parse out what's the difference here. What we really need if you don't have a lot of money is how to start a business you can actually afford. And that would be a single family house. A lot of people, that's really financially where they should start because that's all they can afford. But there's a secondary reason that's where they should start it's the beginning of the development of your business skills now when i got into my first house rental house i did something that was very strange i actually set it up like a business you know most people would set up they got a rent house They got money coming in they stick that money in their personal account and uh... they blow it and then when something goes wrong they got to go back to their personal account and pull it out to pay it and They never really looked at it like it was a business. It was really like a problem. It was, well, there's some money there, but you know, it's a problem. We're gonna have to deal with it. In other words, they're looking at this like business is a problem. I've looked at business like it's an exciting and interesting way to live my life. And so, right out of the blocks, I set my single family houses up as a business. Now, let me clarify this. I did not incorporate them, which we do not do as a suggestion, because once you incorporate your houses, you lose some of the tax benefits, A, and B, if you use LLCs and don't lose the tax benefits, have a pass through taxing authority, entity, I'm sorry, taxing entity, you then lose the ability to go get Fannie Mae mortgages anymore. You know, personal mortgage, which are the best mortgages you get for single family houses. So you want to avoid that type of thing. Um, we can go into liabilities, and that's in a whole nother show, and how to avoid liability and so forth. I'll cover that in another show, probably. But at this point, what I want you to understand is that when you buy a rent house as a business, you look at it from this point of view. I am going to operate this as if it is a business. My investment into the business is the down payment money, and whatever it costs to rehab it, and get it up and going, and get started. Then what happens is, is that thing should cash flow for you. If you do it correctly, you should be able to rent your property uh, within a week. I've never seen it take more than a week to rent a single family house when you had the right price and a completed product. In fact, I've rented single family houses before the rehab was even completed before. Had them pre-rented because there's just way more demand than there is individual rental houses out there available that are clean and functional. Now there are slum houses that nobody would want to live in and they sit out there on the market for a while because nobody wants them until they finally give them away to some purple Martian who doesn't care how bad they are because they're going to tear them up once they move in anyway. So it's just a greed factor. Boy, I got stories about that. I got to keep on track here, guys. So the the bottom line is is that I can teach you in my classes how to lease your property within one week, how to pre-lease it before you even close on it, and have your income coming in right away. Now, the next thing becomes your expenses. What are your expenses? We have a mortgage payment, and the mortgage payment pays your interest on your debt. It pays your taxes and your insurance out of the escrow payment, and it pays down some principal. So, if you have a spreadsheet, you can just take each monthly payment and go, okay, this amount went towards paying down the principal. Now my principal is less. I owe less on the house. This amount, and you do this on a spreadsheet. You don't even need a sophisticated software program. This amount was interest I paid, so that adds up to my total interest for the year, which you're going to get a 1099 from the mortgage company anyway, so that should track. Um uh, And then I've got my taxes. They're escrowing for my taxes. So this is my tax escrow. Now, don't be confused. The tax escrow is not your taxes. It's just the mortgage company making you put aside some money for your taxes. So at the end of the year, there'll be money there to pay them. In uh, most cases on a single family home, this is Texas where I live. The way it works is the tenant puts the water in their name. The tenant puts electricity in their name. Etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all the utilities. So you're not paying the utilities except when the tenant moves out, you have to turn the utilities on to do your make ready. So you may have some utility expenses are going to go in the spreadsheet uh, because we did a make ready and uh, we turned the utilities on. So we got a little electric, a little water, a little gas maybe. And those go down on the spreadsheet. Then you go below that and say, okay, what about what else? Maybe you did some, uh, had somebody mow the yard and you, you didn't. You you paid your son to mow the yard or whatever, and so you got a little landscaping costs there or whatever. Maybe you decided you wanted to spiff up the landscape. That goes in there. And um, then whatever other operating expenses, Teddy calls you and says that the, uh, let's say the stove stops working. Okay, well, you have somebody go over and fix the stove. Well, that becomes, a, you know, appliance expense. Uh, A repair's expense, right, as opposed to buying a new appliance, which is new appliance purchase. Now, at the end of the year, some of these expenses are non-deductible. You don't deduct them off your operating expenses. You are going to capitalize them and then depreciate them. You need a CPA to do that for you at the end of the year. You don't need to know how to do all that stuff. Uh, it's nice to know, and we teach it, by the way, what the differences are and why that makes a difference in your profits. But other than that, it's all something you can have your CPA and should have your CPA do. My CPA does all that for me. I don't do any of that stuff. Uh, so we get down here. We've got all these different expenses. And then at the bottom line is, you know, what was our profit for the month? And then you decide how you can operate this. Now, what I did was I set up a checking account that I only used for that business. Now, this was do not set up a business checking account because they charge you for those. Just set up a personal checking account, maybe in a different bank than where you keep your own account, and put all the money that comes in into that account and pay all your bills out of that account. And it becomes very easy to track all of your expenses. In fact, worst case scenario, you can hand your bank statements over to your accountant and they could do your accounting with it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that because you can't see where you're at for the year and you can't. And this is really the important point of what I'm talking about here. It's we're training ourselves to be accountants, bookkeepers. Go, well, I don't ever want to be a bookkeeper. You know, I'm a creative person. Goes, yeah. Well, I'm a bookkeeper and I had to learn to be creative. <laughs> if you really want to own a business, you got to know a little bit about everything and not a lot about any one thing. So if you're an expert at one thing, you can have a problem being an entrepreneur. you got to be able to know a little bit about everything. So we're going to learn how to keep books and track our income and then get excited each month when we see profits and realize when we don't see profits, that's a challenge. Something went wrong. you got to figure out how to overcome that the next time it comes around or before it comes around again. And that's the kind of stuff you learn at Lifestyles. Those are the hours and hours and hours of classes you can take online at your convenience and guys I'm a believer in continuing education you have to understand I watch videos at least one or two hours a day minimum of how to do things just depends on what I'm interested in that day I have a a train hobby I'm building train layouts all the time I'm building them tearing them down rebuilding them redesigning them improving them and I watch videos on that all the time to where I know just about every guy out there that does train videos I'm a woodworker Um, and I'm a producer of product. I build things. There's builders. They got they got a name for it. I'm creators. I forgot what the the. the localized name in this day and age is for it, but it's a thing where whatever you like to create, you're a creator. And so I build things. I have a shop. I can build anything in the world. And so I'm on top of everything about how to use tools and tricks and, you know, things to do and track all that. I'm also uh, just a hobbyist guitar player. I play guitar just for my own benefit. And so I watch videos on how to play different songs and how to tricks and better ways to play guitar. I also have a pond and uh, a koi collection. So I'm all uh, about ponds and coin. And so the point I'm making to you is that I'm watching videos all the time on how to do things. I'm not watching videos about real estate so much because I've written all the stuff that most people use out there that are any good at this stuff. Um, I did watch a lot of stuff about apartments. When I first got into apartments, I did actually take classes on apartments and stuff. But The bottom line was is that I had to get some technical information that I didn't have. Once I had the technical information, to put the whole thing together as a business person was very simple because of what I'm teaching you right now, which is to start with the end in mind. That's the term they use, start with the end in mind. Figure out, I'm going to be a business person someday. I better know how to follow a set of books. And so you're you're tracking this house and you're tracking the income and so forth. Now, what do you need to know to operate this business of this rental house? You need to know how to market your product, which we will teach you how to do. You're going to need to know how to do the paperwork on the lease and understanding the lease and how the lease works and how to operate under the lease. We'll teach you that Uh, if you do that first two correctly, if you screening, for example, that's another one you're going to need to know how to screen tenants before you put them in there. So you have to market to get the tenant, then you screen the tenant. And one thing you have to understand is this business is different than most. If you've got a business out there, you're probably dying to find customers. With a rental house, you're dying to keep customers away. You're fighting off people. There's so many people who want your rental house, you're just making sure the bad ones don't get in is what you have to do. So screening is all about finding out if these are bad people and not letting them in. So I know in this day and age in our society you can't say bad people everybody's good no matter who and what nah 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 nah. There are still people and every single one of you da da dot da da dot da dot 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 and I just fill in any type of segmentation of our society you want, you within your segmentation know there are some real jerks out there and you wouldn't want them living in your home and you know it right? Do what you want with it. But the bottom line is you have to screen people. You have to be prejudiced to the extent of bad people. And as of this moment, bad people are not a protected class. However, someday they probably will make bad people. They already in some states made criminals a protective class. Uh, You know, I saw the other day they're trying to pass a law on making pedophiles a protective class, believe it or not. I knew it was coming. I told people that would eventually come if they let everything else happen. But that's what's going to happen. Oh, I digress. So uh, the bottom line is that once you learn to screen, put a tenant in there, a good tenant. When we come back, we'll find out what the rest of it's all about. We'll be right back with the Del Walmsley Radio Show.
0: you with a roadmap to creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wamsley Radio Show returns in moment. Successful Lifestyles Unlimited member retires in 10 months. The hardest part for me was to drop off my son, go to a job that I absolutely hated for five years but know that that was a sacrifice that I needed to make and then only be able to get to spend two hours with him after school before he had to go back to bed. So that's why once we started and we joined Lifestyles, we said, okay, we have a roadmap. We know what we're gonna do. And then a month later, we find out we're pregnant with baby number two. And we're like, okay, we gotta kick it up a notch. So that's how we were able to purchase four different properties and um, replace in ten, in 10 months, replace my income in 10 months so that whenever I finished maternity leave, I didn't have to go back to work.
1: I think I think a couple weeks before she baby came out is when we closed on a fourplex and that was enough for her not to have to go back to
0: work. Are you ready for your roadmap to real estate retirement? Attend the online free workshop just like Carolina did. Register LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the
1: Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're discussing the different types of ownership and which one might be right for you. And this is going to go long. I can tell I can't get it down into a tight module. Uh, I was hoping to, but it's not going to work out, so we're basically going to have to do this over a couple days. But right now, we're working on single-family houses. We've got to the point where we've purchased the house. we rehab rehabbed the house. We've screened the tenant. We've marketed the tenant. we screened the tenant. We put them in. Now, what do we do? Well, now we sit back and collect money, keep doing the accounting that I taught you, the bookkeeping, and... The average length of time that a tenant would stay in a rent house for me was four years, but that was the average. Most tenants, good ones I put in, stayed about eight. Um, I've had them stay as long as 11. And basically what they do is they get in that house and they live there their entire kid's life. And I say kid's life because... They put their kid into a school. The kid has friends. They meet families and acquaintances, so they want to go through the grade school, and they get in the same junior high, and then they want to be in the same high school with all their friends, and they just stay. It's just easier. You know what, honey? As soon as we get all the kids into college, then we'll move. Then, then we'll do what we want to do. And so you get eight years out of these guys, man. It's unbelievable. And they pay like clockwork if they're good people. And then, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years later, somewhere along those eight, years, stuff starts to wear out. So you might have a water heater go out, and so you have to call a plumber and have them go put a water heater in. You don't do it. You might have a clogged pipe, and you have a plumber go unclog the pipe, and then you look at your lease, and it says if it's something they did, you charge them for the plumber work. If it's something you did or were responsible for, for instance, a root grows through the bottom of the pipe outside in the yard, they dig it up cut the pipe out, put in new pipe, get rid of the root. That's your problem. You did that. Tenant didn't do it. That's one of the costs of doing business, right? Uh, The only other thing that comes up then is you're going to have to annually pay your insurance premium. If it's not done by your mortgage company, in most cases it probably is because they're escrowing for insurance pay your taxes, which usually the mortgage company does. But if you're one of those mortgages like I used to get where there was, they did not escrow, then you had to do that. Uh, I said, well, why would you do that? Well, because I didn't spend the money. I knew it was safe. I didn't need an escrow. And I put the money in the interest bearing account and made the money off the money for the whole year. That added up once I had a hundred houses. It was quite large amount. I didn't do that in the beginning. I just did it once I got good at this. Uh, so you you really don't have too much to do. And at the end of the year, you got to get all this information together. You've stored up this little spreadsheet, and take it over to your accountant. Let them do your taxes with it. That's it. Now you may have a tenant move out. Now you got to go through the process again. Rinse and repeat. Do the make ready. Now one of the things you do once you get in this business the first time through, you got to go find your vendors. And you may not like the first vendor you use. You go, you yeah, I'm not going to use that person again. They were terrible. They were terrible service-wise. They were terrible attitude-wise. They were terrible quality-wise. I'm going to get somebody else. You go try somebody else. And in Lifestyles, you you have referrals. We have a vendor program where you can get referrals on different people and read reviews on them before you use them. There's other type of referral agencies out there in the marketplace that do the same thing, uh, but it's just part of our program as part of your membership, um, you get your vendors in line. And once you have your vendors, you know, you got your accountant that understands real estate. That's important. A lot of accountants don't. So you understand your real estate benefits because there's massive benefits owning this real estate. Uh, you're going to have to have. Um, you don't really. You don't need any leasing people. You don't need any management people, unless that's what you want to do. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, you're gonna. You're gonna want to have a plumber on call, and not on call. I mean, you just have one you like that you can call. You're gonna want to have an AC guy you like that you can call, and if you got one you like for your personal home, you can use them. Later on, once you get a large number of units, you're going to look for a more commercially inclined person who will give you better prices on the work because home residential people are very expensive compared to commercial um, people. And I don't mean you're getting commercial air conditioners, you're getting residential air conditioners, but the people that do them in bulk are cheaper than the people that just do one-off where they come in and make all their money by telling you your air conditioner doesn't work and you need a new one and they do that every time no matter what's wrong whereas there's a lot of parts and pieces that when i get into owning your own maintenance man which is the next step really uh they can go out there and look at it go that's a ten dollar piece or a twenty dollar piece and they just slap it on think works again big difference you won't get that kind of result out of you know, a regular air conditioning company because they're going to charge, first of all, a $200 trip fee. And then when they get there, they're going to try to find something wrong. Even if that thing's a $10 thing, they're going to find something else wrong just so they can tell you you need a new air conditioner. That's just what they do. So beyond all that, we're now realizing that once we get our second property, this all becomes much simpler. The spreadsheet's already done. You add one new column, right? So that's no setup on that, hardly. Um the Make Ready team is already in place. They know your preferences. You don't have to go through your preferences. I want my my plan A. And I usually have a, a, an A plan, a B plan, and a C plan Make Ready. And I say, okay, this particular property deserves a plan C. Make Ready, do a plan C Make Ready on this thing. Uh, here's the colors I want. But I generally had all my colors be the same on the interiors. That way, we use the same paint. If there's paint left over, I can keep the leftover paint and use it for the next project or to touch up or something like that. And so the the make ready company would do the make ready carpet cleaning company do the carpet cleaning, uh, maid service we go in and do the maid service and boom 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 one two three they're out and it's already leased because I pre lease everything, uh, and I'm gonna talk about that in in the leasing part, but well, no, I'm not. That's pretty high level stuff. That really is where the money's made. Is understanding how to pre-lease a property and have it rented before it even comes due. That's part of our classes. It's not that I don't mind giving it to you, but there's just so much to cover. You get too much on your mind to even conceive how, how pro, um, proactive we are leasing to where we don't have any vacancy at all. You say, well, that's impossible. I know you believe that's impossible, but it's very, very, very little vacancy. In other words, I have a tenant move out my make ready people hit it the next day it takes one day to do most of the stuff the next day the maid goes in and finishes off and the day after that they can move in so if that tenant moves out on a weekend on a friday and we can get saturday and sunday in there with the make ready team and the maid the next day these people can move in on monday and vice versa if they move out on wednesday we can have it ready by saturday you know et cetera et cetera et cetera so Now, the only other thing that ever happens is catastrophes, right? And a catastrophe like a hurricane or a fire or whatever, that's where you're going to have to get involved. And those are very few and far between that you actually have one happen to you, but they do happen. They're not devastating. The insurance you have is going to cover all of it. It's just going to take you some time and trouble to get it all taken care of again. But in most cases, and I I say this really carefully, listen very carefully, in most cases, because the replacement amount of money that is given to you from the insurance company to replace the things that are damaged, the replaced product is better than the product you own previous to the fire, previous to the hurricane, et cetera, et cetera. And in many cases, they pay you more than what it actually costs to get the work done. And you can get extras done. Now you have to spend all the money, the, the, the insurance company wants to make sure you put the money back into the house. But your, your contractor might go look for what you need done, I can do that for $8,000, your check is for $10,000. Uh, I can't give you back two thousand dollars, but I can do two thousand dollars of other work for you that you, you know, upgrade something else to make it nicer, which means you can get more rent, etc., etc., etc. Insurance company doesn't mind because the asset that they're insuring, they're paying out the normal amount, and the asset they're insuring is being upgraded, so they've got better collateral for their insurance. Same thing with the mortgage company. They just want to make sure the collateral is maintained so they won't let you have the money until the work is done. Then they'll sign up on the check to pay the vendors. Vendors know that. You don't pay vendors in advance, you never pay vendors in advance, et cetera, et cetera. So there's all these tricks you learn so that you don't get burnt in this industry, that everything works out in your favor. Even when natural disasters and catastrophes occur, most times I ended up better off in almost all these situations. Now, it's just rinse and repeat. And every time we add a property, it just gets easier and easier and easier because we already know what we're doing. The people we're working with know what we're doing. So that's just send them over there and do it. This is where it gets really easy. They'll fix it. They'll send you a bill in the mail or, in my case, they email me the bill and I just pay it over the Internet. A tenant can contact us uh, and you know, there's a um, answering service, so they call and say, hey, I've got this problem, blah, 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 blah. You pick up the answering service, send you an email or a voicemail, and you hear it, what they said, and then, okay, and it sounds bad, bad enough I should call the person. So you call the, the tenant and say, hey, what's going on? They say, well, it's what's happening. Say, would you mind shoot me a little video of that? Everybody's got a camera. Shoot me a little video and, te- you know, send that over to me. At that point, it's just easy peasy. Now, I had over 100 houses. When I got up to about 10 or 12 houses, it started becoming more complicated. Now, why is that? Well, one of the things I did was I tried to make sure that my houses had leases that expired on different months. And I never wanted a lease to expire on either November or December because I thought it might be very difficult. Um, First, logically. Second, probably just being in the business, it's something people are aware of that Trying to lease a house during November and December is more difficult than any other times because people don't want to move during the holidays, particularly. If they do, however, and this is what I found, if they do, they're very serious and they've got to move and they're really, you know, compliant to whatever the situation is. But and if you've got something ready during that time, which most landlords don't produce available product during November or December, then you're the one off that they have to deal with. So it. it like I said, there's the rule of thumb. Then there's the reality that it really you can work around even the rule of thumb. But I thought at the time anyway that I wanted all my leases to end on January, February, you know, through October, November. No, October. So I only had 10 months worth of things. And then I could go on holiday and just not think about real estate, not think about a make ready, not think about leasing during my holidays with my family. That was my theory. Uh, once you end up getting more than one or more than 10, 12 houses, now you're going to have double-ups. You're going to have months where there's two people coming due. Now, listen to this carefully. Just because a bunch of people come due in the same month doesn't mean you'll have to do anything other than get them to sign a renewal, lease renewal. And that can be done over the internet now. There are software programs, accuSign or whatever. I don't sign, I don't go in to sign anything anymore. They send me an AccuSign paper and I sign it and boom. Uh, it goes back to them only when something needs to be notarized do I actually physically sign something anymore very infrequently, right? So you can have your tenants you can do this lease through Accusign, or if you want you can meet them You may want to meet the people just to get a sense of who they are and put a face to a name or whatever that's up to you And you meet them at the t- at the uh, you know the house they give you the initial deposit Uh, You make sure the deposit clears before you let them move in. You don't take a check and then let them move in because that check could bounce. You make sure that money is cleared. So either give me a money order, a cashier's check, or if you're going to give me a check, then i got to take it to the bank and clear it before you can move in, right? So you figure out how you want to do it. If you want to move in today, we sign the lease, you give me the the cashier's check, you give me the uh, money order, then boom, I'll let you move in right there type of deal. There's all kinds of these tricks, by the way. And they're, they're not tricks. They're just good business practices that you learn along the way. We accumulate them all and put them into a program and teach them all to you so you learn them very quickly. At this point, folks, once you overcome the fact that you know there's multiple things that start happening each month, you really start realizing that it's up to you to decide how much activity you want. Because I had up to 100 houses, still managed them all myself. Because most of the houses would not, would only just renew their leases. They wouldn't leave. And that means I had very little time invested in any of them. Hope this helps out a little bit to clarify what we do in this business. And for the rest of you, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow.